what's going on? Congratulations, Pinky. We're so excited that you got to win the Destiny 2. Like as soon as as soon as uh Pastor Mark the, I'm not the, excited. AKA I'm not lift. He heard that excited. that was happening. He's like, I gotta get in on this. Yeah, hang on, man. Don't don't speak for me, man. I'm not excited for Pinky. What do you do? I mean, no, I mean, I good good I, job, I can Pinky. Tell you were defeated. I can't. I, can I was. See it. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. Pinky's wounded me. I don't know who they are, but they're they've wounded me deeply. Uh, congratulations, Pinky. Though we're so excited that you get to uh, enjoy that. Obviously, you're an amazing part of our community, and we love you, bro. Um, dude, Sonny, you're a beast. Like $100 a month is no joke, period. But then matching like up to $1,000 basically of people's reoccurring giving is, is absolutely insane. So thank you. Um, well, anyway, before I ignore, you know, the amazing, am I looking the right way? I never know what this looks like on Twitch. What, 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 what way are you trying to, what, this way? What are you trying to look at? You, if I go this way, look at well, your camera. Like if, if I stand this way, right? You have a camera, right? But see, now I'm looking towards you on screen. I have a camera, of course. Everyone knows you're talking to me, bro. Just look at your camera. Oh, okay. Look at them. Look at them. Thanks for teaching me. Thanks for teaching me. No problem. <laughs> I'm streaming. I, I do. I do. I stream on Twitch.tv. I don't know if you uh, probably don't know about it, but I stream on there. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's like the funny joke between me and chat. Like when I get on for our daily reconnects and stuff, like I pretend to do this. I don't actually know what I'm doing at all. Just yeah. straight. Yeah. <laughs> My mom set this up. She said, just click go live here. <laughs> and uh, I fix I fix her printer. She fixes my live stream. It's great. I like it. It's perfect. Anyway, this is Pastor Mark, uh, aka lead pastor of Lux Digital, um, another church within the interwebs, and uh, he's also goes by the Lift. I, I really like more people to start calling him the Lift. No, I don't um, lift anything. So it wouldn't <laughs> make any sense. The guy who doesn't lift and puts on weight in his thirties would be a, a more accurate term for for what I do, what I do in life. <laughs> It should be dad bod. That should be the name. Yeah, I rock that. My wife doesn't love it as much as I do, but I and I, I I feel like I can rock it okay. So where where did the lift come from? Uh, the lift came from when my wife and I were dating. I um uh, we did a, a road trip. I'm from Pittsburgh. We did a road trip down to like North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia together. Um, and I created, I, I went on my computer on iTunes. I know people don't use that anymore. Right. But I went on <laughs> iTunes um, where I owned music and I would, I took the bomb track from every album that I had. And there was 113 albums that I had at the time. So I had wow. 113, six CD mix called the 113 lift because it had 113 songs on it. Um, just as a joke that became our Wi-Fi whenever, whenever we got married. And then it just kind of became my screen name. And then when I started making content, everyone's like, no one, literally no one wants to say that. Get rid of the numbers. So we got rid of the 113 in the middle and I became the lift and I hate it. So um, I just like everyone knows me. I just say like, just call me Mark. Like, you don't, you don't need to call me the lift. Um, some people come into my stream like you do even lift bro and i'm like i do not I don't lift anything actually so <laughs> i literally um, don't i literally don't know so when you think of lifting that's funny because like we have two different when i think of the lift i think of like an elevator Hold on. Well, like, you know what? That oh, was the you're theme, elevating right? people, right? That's the idea. That's what yeah. I, that was that was the theme because it was like we are on floor five. It was CD five, or you know we're on level five, floor ten, and it was like the tenth track on the fifth CD or whatever. So that okay. was the idea. It was it was like an elevator, which is a very British posh way to say elevator, right? <laughs> take the take the lift. I don't I don't say anything in a British take accent, it, so don't ask it. me to try. Try it. Just give it a try. No, I'm don't not going to do it live on the internet. No, there's a lot of things I'll do live on the internet, but like eat a raw onion, put on a penguin suit, uh, oh, uh, pretend I have man. a British accent. Those are three things I don't do on the internet. Okay, okay, okay. 
Yeah, I, the raw onions rough. Shout out Solux, appreciate you. Um, the penguin suit, man. I love that That's, you guys rigged that, by the way, so that Solux is the only one who has to do something disgusting and she just has to keep eating onions. Like, kudos to you guys for just setting that up. That's well, she's paying penance, you know, for the yeah. she didn't do it. So it's just it's the way it is. No, it's not rigged, chat. Everything is random. <laughs> <laughs> don't believe, don't believe the enemy. <laughs> oh man. So okay, that that's interesting. That story was way more boring than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, oh, yeah, uh, it's not great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not. It's not. It's not really a great story. So feel entertained and give here at God Squad Church, uh, <laughs> where we tell bad stories and invite guests on that aren't interesting. So it's no, no, not at all. No, to be like completely honest, like I love Pastor Mark. Um, you know, I've gotten to know him over this past year, uh, uh, at least decently more than I did in the past and, uh, seeing your heart, uh, for the Lord and just like your heart for unity, watching how you move is like spectacular and it's uplifting, uh, like not to be funny, but it is. And it's, it makes me want to be better. And so I really do appreciate it. And then I love his, I love his personality, man. I love your sarcasm. I'm like, that's how I jive. That's who I am. Like, I'm not all like, I'm not the kind of guy that puts on the suit and like tries to be professional. That's just not who I am. I'd much rather be, uh, be myself and be real. And I feel like you're authentic and you're real. And so, you yeah, know, I said I appreciate a cuss you. word by accident during a sermon in the first six months of Lux. So, uh, if, if, you're, if you're, if you're looking for that, that you know, I thought we're the, we're the, we're the right shop. Right. But <laughs> I guess, oh I got so goodness. heated during a sermon. <laughs> So I, I've never sworn on, on while preaching, uh, actually to be don't very honest it. with you. I don't know. It depends on what you think a swear word is, but I am actually known for not swearing ever. And I'm just, I hold that as a badge of honor. That's my pride on my chest. Uh, I, you know, I am just better than everyone. Um, no, <laughs> there's a thing. My friends are like, why don't you just like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, no, to me it is. I don't know. I just, when I was 13, I remember, literally remember the day that I was like, I'm never going to cuss again. And from that point on, I was just like, dude, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't even like come up in my head. And so I face an extreme amount of other things in sins that I wish I wasn't facing. Yeah. We were in different uh, Boy Scouts, man. I don't know. My bad, my, my badge of pride comes from the fact that I do occasionally cuss. So I'm sure, <laughs> I don't know. We were like very different Cub Scout troops. I don't know which one I was in, but I got a badge for a different thing. I don't oh my know. goodness. Not sure where it came from. But. Well, that's the thing is I think in, in my hood where I grew up and like, I don't say that funny. Like I literally grew up in the hood. It I was, it was, it was the cool thing to do. But I, I was like, I don't know. I came to this point one day where I remember seeing someone successful on TV and the way they were, they were holding themselves. And I was like, dude, all of these guys that say they're successful around my hood, like they act like this and they have no money and they talk about having money and they don't have money and they don't have success. And they're still living in the same, you know, crack house that they've always lived in. And so I was like, I want to be more like that guy. And so it didn't even come from like Jesus. It, it came from like this idea of like, I wanted to be successful. And then obviously when I rolled into faith, I was like, oh, okay, I probably shouldn't be saying things that I don't necessarily mean or saying things out of anger because like anybody, I have um, my own anger and I have emotions. I'm a real human being. And so, yeah. Well, bro, TJ, I appreciate you saying yeah. that, uh, you know, we, we've built a relationship, have an affinity. I totally agree. I think we have a really similar heart. Um, but, you know, hey, here at Lux and from myself, we love GSC. We love what you guys are doing. Um, we have a big heart for it. A part of our story involves being inspired in some ways by what we saw GSC doing and what we still see GSC doing. There's a lot of ways in which 
you know, our, our environments and our cultures and our churches are, are differ. Um, but there's a lot of ways in which they're similar because I watched the way that GSC was doing things. I was working at a physical church. I had been there for almost a decade at the point that I found GSC. Um, I started sort of observing and watching from a distance and kind of watching what the staff was doing and how, how it is that you were doing it. And so when God began moving in our hearts to plant an entirely digital expression of the church, and we began exploring what that would look like and talking to organizations and, and really trying to jump in on that, um, a, at least a decent portion of our model and how we organized our week and things came from watching GSE both in successes and watching things and I was like I would tweak that or I would do this differently or I think this will be different for the community and the person that I need to speak to because we speak to a very different one right you guys have a one yeah. you're you're speaking to that one and our one looks a little bit different like the person that we're targeting looks a little different so there's elements of us look very different but I think that there's a a, a very similar spirit between what GSC does and what Lux does and GSE has been part of the inspiration and part of just the learning process of what it means mm. to be a digital expression of church. Um, I was a gamer my whole life, always viewed that to be an opposition of my faith. Um, and uh, and honestly, I gamed to escape people, not to connect with people. And it wasn't until we planted Lux that I got, I, I'd been off social media for five years before we started the church. So I really didn't do much with it. So when we got back into it, man, um, and I, I stepped into this world, GSC was really part of the guiding force for when we were sort of forming um, at least the heartbeat of what we're doing now. And so always indebted to, to GSC and love you, love, 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 Matt, Amanda and uh, care. My wife loves Amanda. I love Matt and like we just have, a, have a, a sweet spot in our heart for pioneers and people who are willing to step out and do something that no one's done. And, uh, and we believe that those positions, no matter how old they are, what their experience level is, deserve, deserve and are deserving of positions of honor. Um, and honestly, especially Amanda, who's been along for the ride. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times wives are along for the ride. They didn't get the, tr <laughs> they didn't get the, they didn't get to pick the car that they rented to go on the ride. Right. They, didn't, they got no pick in it. And so have a huge heart for them and a huge heart for the church. So pumped to be here, part of Waymaker week, glad to be doing it. And, you know, Hey. As we're talking today, guys, be supporting Waymaker and and help GSC continue to do what they're doing. Amen, man. Amen. Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey, and it's been so cool to watch ministries sprout out, and then you know hear those kind of like those words. Like I, I don't think the twelve of us when we first launched God Squad Church, uh, you know, six and a half years ago, were thinking in any way, shape, or form that like it would turn out like this like we had vision man you know <laughs> millions of gamers kind of vision and we still do um but i just don't think that you know i i didn't i guess put it in my purview that there was going to be other people that came alongside in this mission and started to like pop up and so it wasn't until like you know a few years later when we started seeing that i was like oh oh like yeah other people are called to do this too and so it's been so cool to watch different expressions of the church kind of start to happen on twitch or or youtube or wherever else um you know reaching you know nerd culture or reaching gamers reaching um the people that live on the interwebs you know now we see like social media churches that are like reaching people like just in TikTok, and you know now we have specific game churches that are like i just was uh listening to a podcast about um i can't remember her name and i apologize whatever your name is but she has a church in final fantasy 14 and that's what she does every week and so yeah. like specific game churches it's just super interesting 
but through all of the things and the things that we do specifically, right? Uh, we would both call ourselves by office a pastor. Um, and I think a lot of people would call us that too, or hopefully think of it that way. Um, if they but, don't, I kick them out of my church. No, I'm just joking. That's good. I'm that's just, good. That's just, good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Everybody knows you're kicked out, man. <laughs> um, and so in, in this world of like pastoring, you know, the title of today's talk, and I, you know, I know we're deep into it, but uh, the title of today's talk is why God, why people? And I've often asked myself that throughout like my years of ministry of like, you know, it'd be so much easier if I just had to like crunch numbers or I just had to like, like people are difficult, man. And uh, they can put you through the ringer. And the funny thing is, is there's like these cra this crazy spectrum of like, I've met the most vile, terrible, absolute like demon like people on one side and God still loves them. And on this side, I've met the most gracious people that walk through life, like, you know, some Lord of the Rings type character of elegance and, and character and greatness. And it's so interesting because you can deal with both. I can deal with both in the same day. And, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to navigate those relationships can be really difficult. Navigating around people are very difficult. But Pastor Mark, like, tell me a time in, in your life, like, where is a time where you've dealt with someone difficult? Give us a story. I mean, man, you're, you're pastoring, you deal with, you deal with difficult people every day. Um, and like, it just determines that like the hat, I, I think that a lot of people, um, they don't, they don't really understand the capacity at, at what ministry actually looks like until you're in leadership. Like when you're in leadership and you're stepping into a church and you're like, now you're serving, you're leading a team, you're investing in people. Like then you, you begin to unpack what a pastor it has to work through. Um, and, and I, I really, I, I connect it very closely to like shifting gears. Right. Um, except your gears aren't like first, second, third, fourth, as a, as a church leader, your gears are, I'm going from a fundraising conversation to connecting with a pastor who's struggling morally to connecting with someone who's super pissed at me. And like in there, they're done with my church because I'm a total incomplete piece of garbage, despite the fact that I've invested a tremendous amount of time and energy into them. And they've been difficult from the beginning. And then you're, you're shifting gears and you're like, I'm with one of my key volunteers. And now I have to be like, I want to rah, 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 root you on and send you out and cast vision. And let's go right after I came out of a conversation where someone was just beating me into the ground, telling me I was a piece of crap. And mm. so I think it, more than anything, it is the whiplash of relational fatigue that is very, very difficult in leadership, period, but certainly in spiritual leadership, because you have people who come from such a wide variety uh, and ranges uh, for what they've dealt with. And, and this is exasperated by the digital church, right? This is exasperated in this context, because you add in um, the variety of cultural nuance. Right. And so right. like learning, and there's some cultural things that are just true. Like I have some of my Canadian friends and are part of our church and core members of our team. The way they communicate is just different. It's just different than the way some of my American team members communicate, which is different than some of how our European attendees will communicate. And, and what they say, not only the words are different, but the context is very different. And so understanding, because you could just be, it's very easily, you very easily hurt um, as a pastor um, because, you know, like I think, it's really damning to be in a leadership as a pastor and to have uh, insecurities. It's very, very difficult to function 
uh, as a leader for any length of time inside of a spirit in a spiritual leadership capacity with insecurities um, because they're just they get called out so very easily by people in your life that are difficult. I was literally just hanging out with somebody today and I was talking about a staff member that was just hard. It was just and I'm not going to get into details, but it was just really, really hard. It was like you never knew what you were walking into every you know monthly meeting i would be walking into it and i would be i'd like i need to take a nap afterwards because the experience of just talking to this person for an hour was so emotionally draining sometimes yeah. that i would just walk out and be like i'm just i i i have nothing left to offer you today and mm -hmm. and the problem is when you're a pastor you're constantly being requested to pour out right and then, and people assume that they're the only person who's asked you to pour out today is really the problem when they don't realize that you've had multiple sources. And so, yeah, the, the, without getting into really specific details about people, and I think there is one couple in our church right now that would be okay with me sharing some of their, like, they they were just in a bad place, right? And I think this goes, we all, we all know this, right? Hurting people hurt people. It's a saying that we use all the time. We had a couple yeah. just in a really bad place. After a year of our church, they launched with us, they left. Um, nine months later, they've sort of, they're back around right now and they want to begin serving again. And we've had some conversations about that, but the process of that, them leaving was very hurtful because I had invested a lot of time and energy and, and, and prayer into those relationships. And I felt like that backfired and it's really hard as a pastor or ministry leader to not get in that whiplash and then just quit investing because that back and forth is so hard. But, but how about you, Daylight? What's, I mean, do you have a, a not, not speaking about anybody in chat specifically. No, 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 I'm specifically Pinky. calling them out. Vic Sigma, that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I don't think, I don't out of all the people, I don't think it's Vic. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the people, like that's why I chose him. Cause like someone wasn't yeah. like, wouldn't be feel like you're feeling attacked. Yeah, it was the safest pick. Um, no, Vic's is life giving every conversation I've ever had with them ever. That's just facts. Um, but. Man, it's just like some of the things you were saying there are so good, right? It's just like, I do think sometimes people just don't understand that you've already went through the ringer so many times and like, they don't see that you're still, you're just hanging on by a thread, right? Or you're just like empty and like, they're literally, they're, they're trying to pour out something and it's like agonizing from you. And um, rather than taking from the cup that you're pouring, they're just like cracking the cup and they're just breaking it. And so, um, yeah, I think in our position, I think we have this on the extreme and I'm sure like, you know, in, in life, if you're, if you're working, you're 95% of the time going to be working with people. And so, um, yeah, and there's always like, going to be people right. in your life that are hard to love, whether you're absolutely, whether you're an engineer or you're working, you know, you're doing garbage pickup or you're a pastor, yeah. like there's and oftentimes it's the dude who's driving the garbage truck and you're a Christian and you're, you're the one who's the, you know, heaving the trash that's sometimes the hardest relationship to maintain, right? Like, yeah. how do I love this dude? He's like, just hard to love, hard to love. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously from our perspective, we have a little bit, like we have to be, I feel like we are emotionally more open and we have to be in order to like connect with people on a, on a level. So, you know, it's, it might be different, but for so many people in chat, I'm sure that they can relate to like having to deal with difficult people and, um, we don't always like navigate it well. And I'm one of those people that's very upfront. And like my, my grace in mercy is definitely a limiting factor in my love. Um, 
And it's something that the Lord has been working on me for years and years and years because I came from a background of like not really not really having the propensity or the, the the room on my plate to have those things because it would have caused me pain. And so, you know, most people like have, you know, if you come from any kind of like typical background, you might realize like when you're sensitive, when you're open, it's also a time for weakness. Um, now the Bible, I, I would say is like promotes that weakness in you that that's good to have, but living in the world that I lived in and I came from having that weakness could have been like life or death. And I don't say that like just nonchalantly. It was a, uh, a very important thing. And so I've had to just like remap my like entire inner child to try to understand and extend. So often when I'm speaking grace or mercy or truth, it's just a little bit more difficult in terms of like, I have to actually just do it. Not even because I want to, right? Often we're motivated because of like, just the, the, the fail safe of who we are. I'm often motivated because I know it's the right thing to do, even though I'm not feeling it in my heart. Mm. And then it's a dealing it with God of like, Lord, like, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to be kind. I don't want to do this. Um, I don't want to care for this person. Like I want them to, 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 to learn from their mistakes and, um, trying to measure, you know, life in that way can be pretty difficult. And I'm sure so many people in this chat, have the exact same thing where it's just like, I don't want to be, be kind today. I just, I don't feel like it. The, this person's well, being an idiot. They're annoying. I think um, there's, I think there's a, a stark difference too, between being kind and enabling uh, poisonous behavior, right? right. And it, a lot of times the people in our lives that are hard to love, sometimes that's sometimes that's because like we have a hang up, right? Like, mm. um, like sometimes we have biases, right? Where it's like, listen, I just don't, I just don't like people that do X, Y, or Z. Like I have a bias in my life. I struggle with middle-aged white American women. I'd struggle. Like, I just have a hard time with it. Like, I'd struggle with the limited perspective. I struggle with the entitlement. I struggle with all, like, and so if, if you come to me and you're like, if you're in your, you're like 48 years old and you're like in a suburban area and you're a white woman, like, I'm going to naturally <laughs> just start with a struggle. The, there's an experience there. It's like, Mark, you need to be kind, compassionate, loving, and understanding. And some people are like, you're horrible. Like, oh, you're, it's like, no, I'm honest. And you have biases as well. You just don't want to acknowledge them. You right, have right. people that for years, it was like the jock, right? Because the jock picked on me whenever I was a kid. And so I didn't like mm. jocks, right? Or like the frat boy. Like I couldn't, I struggled with that <laughs> personality. I just couldn't get around that. It would make me nervous, right? My wife, we'd walk into Moe's Southwest Grill and I would freaking tense up when you know the frat boy was in front of us in line. My wife's like, you need to chill. Like you need to take a deep breath. Um, but I think one of the other things that's really important is that a lot of Christians just need to learn is you got to learn the importance of personal responsibility and boundaries. And these are two things that like, if you only know one and don't know the other, it's really, really unhealthy, right? So if you understand mm. personal responsibility and you can take blame for your own biases and things that you have going on in your life, it enables you to not have to um, paint those things on other people to feel comfortable, right? You can make mistakes and it doesn't ruin who you are. You can acknowledge right. your faults and it doesn't destroy you. And those, it, it doesn't characterize you. You aren't your mistakes. Your mistakes are part of you, but they aren't who you are. And Amen. so those personal responsibilities that you have to be able to grasp and take, they allow you to develop empathy. That empathy allows you to be healthier in relationships. Boundaries, on the other hand, are saying, I refuse to pay the price for your bad decisions, right? And so yeah. in the in the top of that, right, is the is like I, I'm a parent with an a, a, a child in my house who's an addict. 
And I don't kick that child out of my house because I don't want them to be homeless. So I pay the price for their addiction. And until they pay the price for their addiction, they see no reason to stop being addicted. And so what you think is saving them from homelessness, saving them from jail or saving them is from enabling. death is enabling them to come yeah. to a place where they're going to be in one of those places. And you're just, you're prolonging it and you're suffering. So you're suffering on behalf of them when God intended, God intended when we make stupid choices that we suffer, right? There's this yep. natural reaping and sowing. You make bad yep. choices, you get to suffer. And mm -hmm. that enables you to learn to not suffer. When we take responsibility for people and keep it on ourselves and refuse to have boundaries, what that ends up doing is it enables them to continue in the poor decision-making. It doesn't actually yeah. challenge them to change. Now, what happens is if you have firm boundaries, but take no personal responsibility for things, you'll actually do the opposite. You'll actually heave the mistakes that you've made on other people and claim it as boundaries. If you have all responsibility and no boundaries, you'll enable and take responsibility for other people's mistakes without allowing them to pay for their own. So when it comes to loving people well, especially people that are difficult, and most of those people are boundaryless people, and most of them hang out on the internet. Um, mm. just, <laughs> just to be real, like I, they, they love the internet. Right. And so when it comes to dealing with those people, you have to function with really high levels of self-responsibility, right? You have to be responsible for yourself, your actions, acknowledge those things, build empathy. And at the same time, you have to have very firm boundaries that you don't allow people to manipulate their way past so that you can actually love them well. Um, because listen, we know Jesus said pair truth and love, pair truth and love, pair truth and love. We, we all know, right? Truth without love is legalism. Love without truth is smush, right? It's just, look, it's nothing. And so we have to learn how to pair those things together. And that's the best thing that you can learn how to do when it comes to dealing with difficult relationships. Man, there's so much in that. And I hope everybody in chat just took something from that because that's, <laughs> in the balance of the two things that you're talking about if we don't have both we just we're just losing in one aspect or the other and you know if you're not beginning to take steps towards freedom in whatever area that is and reliance on god then you're just going to be you're going to be ran over and it's like I, I see that in the chat it's like someone saying like you know if i, I was weak i was just going to get ran over but the truth is you're going to get ran over realistically if you're not setting up both I like what you said about boundaries too, because, um, I am firm on boundaries. And, you know, one of the things like I, I took hold of when, as a young pastor was like, I'm going to preserve my family time. Well, um, that I don't love when ministry mm. runs over my family and, you know, and that that's, I've taken a lot of flack for it. Um, within just like life of like moving through things is because, you know, constantly in the church world, you're being, um, you're being, I don't think manipulated is the right word, but you're, you're almost being like made to feel, and maybe it is manipulation and you're made to feel like you're less than if you're not willing to sacrifice everything. Um, and on my chopping block it will never be my family, my own life for sure. Absolutely. Um, but it will never be my family. And so it'd be much easier if, uh, if we all were just able to, um, live with reckless boundaries and then, you know, have to pick up the pieces at the end. I think that's how some people think. Um, but in the end, I don't want my family's pieces to be the things that I'm picking up. And so when we're talking about relationships, we're talking about setting up boundaries, you know, what are some ways that you do, uh, what I guess some strategies, maybe techniques that you use to create healthy relationships with the people that like you're around all the time, uh, whether that's your family, your friends, whoever else. 
Sure. Yeah. It's like I like fail at it all the time, just like everybody else, right? <laughs> I'm a pastor. That means I wake up every day and I fail to be the thing that people needed that day. Like every single day that happens, right? And I'm not, this is nothing against what GSC is doing right now. Yeah. I told Daylight, my family time starts at 4 p.m. EST. It's 4.30 right now. Here yeah. I am. Um, because I, I'm because this is important, right? I want to be here. I want to see Waymaker happen, and so like I'm I'm here, and we're making it happen. And I'll I'll go be with my family, and I'll be with my buddies. We're gonna play WoW tonight a little bit, and so hey. like hey, that that you know that's happening. It's happening. Um, it, it, when it comes to building boundaries, like I I I live with the continual the continual thing in the in the back of my brain that says I'm insufficient and that I'm not enough and that I can't be there for enough people and I can't be close to enough people that need to be to be close to them and too many people depend on me. And what this really, what it really comes down to is this, what it really comes down to is this, when it comes to the relationships and that feeling is that I believe that my role is to be the Holy Spirit. And so in every time you shoulder a burden relationally that God was intended to shoulder, you always end up anxious, overwhelmed, and depressed. Like that's just the natural outcome. Cause it's like, I'm trying to be infinite when I'm finite. And every time we try to be infinite as finite beings, we end up paying a price for that. And unfortunately for me as a pastor, like I don't learn that lesson easily or I learn it for like three <laughs> weeks and then I completely forget it and I unlearn it for another month. Mm. And so like, I get that. But when it comes to like, how do you actually develop healthy boundaries? I think there's two resources that are really, 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 really good. So when it comes to personal responsibility and understanding how you tick, Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is a test and a book that'll help you grow in emotional intelligence. And if you don't know what emotional intelligence is, you might know what intelligence is. Emotional intelligence is understanding who you are and who other people are being able to connect those things together. It's a lot more than that, but it rates you in empathy. I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm a very high emotional, I'm not a very intelligent person. I'm a very high emotional intelligence person. So my emotional intelligence is really high in almost every area, except as it turns out, impulse control, which I mean like the bottom 3% of the population evidently. Um, like 98 and every other one, 3% for impulse control. So like, wow. That's why I eat a bowl of cereal before I go to bed at midnight every night and I get fatter because I just can't impulse control. <laughs> the other resource for boundaries is literally a book called Boundaries by Henry Cloud. And I've yeah. bought this for my team members. I've shipped it to them like when they're dealing because a lot of my team right now, and I, I don't know where like the average age for GSC is, a lot of our team is in their mid to early 30s and they're having kids. And the new boundary that comes up when you have kids is grandparents. And um, mm. what, what I'm learning very quickly is um, the generation that raised millennials raised us without boundaries. And, um, and you know, my generation as a millennial got a bad rap for being boundaryless people and everybody got a trophy. What I'm learning is that that generation that raised us without boundaries is because they don't have boundaries. And then that generation struggles to have boundaries with their grandchildren. And one of the things that my generation is having to learn is how to put boundaries in between our parents and our children so that we're actually doing some piece of raising them. And so what I do is I suggest to a lot of our family, and that's going to resonate, like there's someone in your church that's in that scenario right now, because it's like the echoing story of millions of millennials in their thirties right now. Yeah. Um, like get the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud, read it, 
it makes so much sense. It's so incredibly helpful. And they do like, he, I don't know, you know, it was, it was like uh, I kissed dating goodbye. I know that guy like deconstructed or whatever they did. Like I kissed dating <laughs> goodbye. I kissed, I, I kissed wow. Goodbye. I kissed everything. Goodbye. There's a version of everything for it. Right. Uh, or maybe that was every young man's battle. That's what it was. Every young man's battle. There's every young woman's battle. Every, you know, 13 year old without legs battle. There's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a <laughs> battle for everything. So boundaries has one for everybody. There's like teenage boundaries, teenage girl boundaries, 70 year old boundaries books, but boundaries by Henry Cloud, really great book. That's good. Um, I think, uh, you know, chat, don't take that, like, write that down. If this is something you're dealing with, like, write it down and go look on it for Amazon, ask for it for Christmas, like, do whatever you got to do, you know, maybe treat yourself. Um, PGI Fishbowl, go read it. If, if you have it, read it. Yeah. And so I, I actually have that book on my shelf. Um, I don't know if it's in here or downstairs. I would love to just be able to flash and just be like, I'm cool. But I don't have it around me right now. Um, <laughs> Boundaries, but so, like, a lot of relationships as a whole, I guess, come and, and they're boiling down to a couple of things that I'm hearing from this conversation. And I know obviously they're complicated, but um, it's about setting, it's about setting expectation and setting boundaries. That's basically where we're at within our relationships, whether that's with your family, um, that's with, you know, your girlfriend, that's with your, you know, coworkers, whatever that is. And I think that we've come to a place where we always, there'll be a lot of relational tension. So me and my wife went through this and I'm sure she'd be fine with me sharing this. Um, and we had a lot of relationship tension because she would have unspoken expectations that mm. I didn't know she had in her heart or her mind or her thoughts. And I never knew how to put words to it. So I didn't like, I could see this behavior in her and I, I just like, what? I, I would sit there like, uh, what, do, what do I do? what do I do with my hands? Like, I'm like, like I, I don't know. How do I do this? Um, because I was, it was like, it was like being told to take a test that had no directions. And we, you know, and I had the same things. And once I had language for it, I was like, oh, I do that same thing to her. And instead of saying exactly what I need or what I want or what I mean, I would, you know, just get angry or get frustrated when she wouldn't meet these like, crazy expectations that I had. And so what I started realizing in my own life, my own relationship, specifically my romantic relationship with my wife, right? Like that relationship that if I don't say anything, if I don't give her the tools that she needs to succeed in loving me, then I'm failing. And it pours into so many other aspects of our life, right? I went for a lot of years, not having very close relationships because he's now deconstructed and divorced. Yeah, that's my bad. I shouldn't have brought that guy up. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. You're talking about the guy who said kiss dating goodbye or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He wrote that yeah, book. He's deconstructed yeah. and divorced. No, you're he, absolutely fine to bring it up. He's off the deep end. <laughs> what? Well, and that happens. Like when, when you're not sure about what you've said and what you've done and like it, it's the same thing. Like he, he, he didn't set up the proper things. Like, yeah, it, it, his story is an interesting one. But, and so if we look at it in a marriage setting in a marriage relationship, but then you start to branch that out further that if you don't have expectations that are being spoken, um, if you're not communicating mm -hmm. expectations, well, you know, if for me and Mark's relationship, if Mark came in and I'm not saying he does this, if he came in every single time we were talking and just started like reaming me about how, how, how I could get better, this and that, that to him could be love. 
You know, it's like, oh, you know, get better, you know, you know, trying to elevate me. But if I'm the type of person that just doesn't take that like harsh criticism well, then I'm going to suffer for it. And if I never tell them like, hey, man, your words actually, the way you're speaking them is like actually creating in me like a discord, like I don't want to be around you. Um, then I'm just going to be stuck. I'm going to be stuck in this like this universe of like needing to be around people in our lives that we don't want to be around because they're doing things that we don't like, but we're too afraid to communicate them because often we're afraid of conflict. Talk to me a little bit about conflict, Pastor Mark. Well, I'll, I'll expand on one thing you said first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people know what you say and do. They don't know what you think and feel. You mm -hmm. are not around or married to or raising telepaths or empaths. Um, you've got people around you. And those people, it, you cannot expect people to make decisions based off of thoughts and feelings if you refuse to turn them into words and actions. Um, and that's so good. like, that's just communication 101. It's what I do in all of my premarital courses. Get that for free here today, GSC. Okay. Not that I charge for premarital counseling. Don't freak out. Okay. The <laughs> pagan pastor charges for premarital counseling. I'm just saying, right? That's That's one of the things that we talk about when I do premarital. Um, when it comes to dealing with conflict, uh, you know, it's, it is so hard because every conflict looks different, right? I, I, I say that I don't have many gifts. I have a gift. I have the ability to talk and communicate effectively. And it just so happens to be the Swiss army knife of ministry. I can use it for just about everything. And so for me, um, I just usually rely on my ability to step into a situation and navigate it and figure out a way to find a consensus. Mm. I, I had a buddy who came to us during COVID, right? And really good friend um, and love him, his family. But man, dude, he came in to this, this meeting and he wasn't coming in to find a resolution. He was coming in to end a relationship. Like that oh, was wow. his intention going into it, right? And it wasn't even my relationship. It was someone else's relationship. And I stepped into the meeting to mediate. And by extension, I got put in the crosshairs. And so no. he eliminated our relationship as well. And it was one of those scenarios where it's like, I, I love, 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 love deeply um, him, his family. And, but I, it's a when it comes to conflict, Sometimes we want to be like, well, you can only just step into conflict and it will it doesn't always resolve itself. It doesn't always yeah. end pretty. Like it both parties have to be open to or committed to unity at the end of the conversation. And if yeah. you're coming into the conversation predetermined that you're not ending well, it's not going to end well, right? And so like on our part as believers, we we're called to go into those conversations with the intentions of ending it well. And if it's with another believer, I think we can call them out if possible to unity. If it's with a non-believer, uh, our uh, our responsibility goes as far as I have to come into this with the intention of resolving it and finding a peaceful meeting, right? But if they don't, it's okay, right? I think sometimes as Christians, when it comes to conflict and it comes to relationship, we just expect everybody to act like Chris Jesus who aren't Christians. Like we can't, we can't somehow believe that like this person should act like Jesus when they don't claim to follow Jesus. Right. And so like, we don't even expect ourselves to do that. And we should, we should act like Jesus if we claim to follow Jesus. But then we assume that other people who don't act 
or don't claim to follow Jesus will act like him. And so like you, when you, when you walk into those situations and those are the conflicts, but it's like my, my experience has been like staying calm, acknowledging, hurting people, hurt people. So that's okay. Like there are going to be people out there who are going to try to hurt me because Absolutely. that's because I'm a pastor or I'm a friend or they think I'm weak, that I'm an easy target for them to vent their pain that is going on in other aspects of their life. Um, I try to keep that in mind and remember that when I go into those scenarios. Um, and sometimes, man, like that hurting, it doesn't even have to do with like they, they just, you know, their dog just died and now they're mad at you. Uh, sometimes it's much more deep than that. Sometimes it's like my parents got divorced when I was nine and I learned that to survive, I had to watch out for myself first. And despite the fact that I claim Jesus and I'm a volunteer at your church or I'm your friend here at work, if there comes a scenario where I feel like I need to put you before myself, I literally cannot do that. And you don't even know that you're walking in and you're stomping on that hurt because Satan uses hurts in our lives to build spiritual strongholds in us. And those spiritual strongholds had tendrils like roots that go out into other aspects of our life. And you can actually trip on a spiritual stronghold in somebody else's life. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even look, it's like a nerve ending. It doesn't even look like it's connected to the stronghold, but it is right. It doesn't even look like it's connected to their childhood. It doesn't even look like it's connected back to that trauma. It doesn't even look like it's connected to that sexual abuse, but right. this thing that you tripped on and it just triggers it, right? It blows up. It's like a landmine. You had no clue that you were near it. And sometimes in those difficult places and those things, you have to have self-awareness enough to know like, this isn't me. And it's also not my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to add to the hurt, to point out to them that this isn't my problem. Um, yeah. It's my responsibility to take ownership for the fact that I tripped on something that I didn't know was there and to have compassion for this person, despite the fact that they're attacking me, I have to love them. And, but emotional intelligence and growing in that comes along with it because you have to, you have to grow an emotional intelligence to be able to identify those things on the fly, especially in conflict. Uh, that reminds me of this, this idea of like, you know, this you know young boy or young girl and they're they're walking around they see this animal and they pick it up and they hug it and it's a porcupine and then everybody being mad at the porcupine because that that child decided they were going to hug it it's like not realizing you know that that porcupine is just being its, itself it, it doesn't know any better it you know it might even be trying to to grow and and, and just find a little bit of food but we've taken it upon ourselves to invade their lives and then we're not happy with who they are or what they are um and yeah man if learning how to be around different people because once you learn that a porcupine's needles are only one way and that you can hug them technically that there is like so much like there's so much more that you can do and so if it's the same thing with a person right if they're if their tendrils look a certain way if they're those connections look a certain way and you know how to navigate the root system well because you care for the person you're loving them and you're learning how to be in their life uh rather than just hope the superficial relationship benefits yourself then you know then that's when we see success I think that's a, a beautiful way to think about it. And there's another thing you said there, and a thought you said where this idea of like, we expect people to be like Jesus, but we ourselves don't expect ourselves to be like Jesus. Sure. I used to do this technique uh, in some of the leadership trainings that I would do. And when we were talking about this idea, because pastors have a hard time with friendship. Um, they just naturally usually have a really hard time with like 
when I mean friendships, I don't mean surface level friendships. I mean, deep friendships, sure. people to invade into their lives um, because often we're told to be protective and so on and so forth, whatever. But so I would do these, this exercise and I would say, you know, list out, you know, all the good qualities in a friend. Like, like if you were to have a friend today and you were to have a best friend, I want you to list out every quality that you would like to see in them. And, you know, these lists would get like crazy long and they'd be like, I want them to be kind. I want them to be selfless. I want them to be loyal. I want them to be, you know, and they basically, by the end of it, this friend would have been, you know, Jesus himself resurrected. And so, and then I say, okay, like, I love this list. This list is like, I get it. I want all those things too. Now, how many of those things are you fulfilling on that list? And out of the, the 50 things someone might list, you know, they, they meet like seven of them. And, sure. and the exercise isn't to make them feel bad. That's not the point, but it's to make them see that the expectation they have for relationships are astronomically like bent because they don't even hold themselves to that same standard. And so if we're willing to, you know, ask something from someone else, I think we need to be willing to go into the waters and, and do it ourselves as well. Um, and so the first thing, you know, some of the people here might be having, you know, I know for us at God Squad Church, we, we talk to people all the time. They're having difficulty finding healthy relationships. They're having difficulty just being friends with people or whatever else. And so one of the places are, are I guess, first steps in that, in my opinion, would be to start to make a list of what you would like in a friend and then start to build those things in yourself and start to allow God to move in those areas in your life so that you can become the friend that you want to see because then you'll attract the people I think that you're looking to attract because other than that you know what I mean if I'm if I'm a dirtbag to be honest I'm going to attract other dirtbags to me like not many people are going to want to deal with the garbage that I'm bringing into the the relationship you know they would rather just walk around the corner and find someone that's going to be you know better for them someone's going to push them forward someone's going to elevate them you know in the scripture it says greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you know they're going to be looking for the people like that that are willing to lay down their life for each other uh, and not always want or need or be greedy and um I just think that that's a, a good point to pull out of what you were saying because yeah, man, it's difficult. It's difficult. Like I know even as myself, I'm 32 years old, I live in a relatively new area. Um, and the only relationships I have are online relationships. I, I don't have any relationships, uh, IRL. And so trying to find those things, um, at my age can be difficult. And so I guess, uh, pastor Mark, like what are some of the ways that you create friendships right now? Like you said, you're going to go play wild later with the buddies. Like how did that stuff form? Like, what did you do to get there? Uh, I'm sure there's so many people in chat that would love to hear it. That's a hard question to answer, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the, the reason for that is because there are some things in life that like, and you'll, you'll, uh, we've all had this experience, right. Where like, if it's something that you do naturally, um, it's really hard to tell someone else how do you do it because you just don't you don't have to do it. And I'm not saying like I'm such a good friend maker. Um, I just always <laughs> I've just always been a community generator, right? Like I've always wanted to include people. I just naturally see the best in people. I believe in people. I see things in people they don't see in themselves. Like that's just how I'm wired, right? Mm. So I'm, I'm wired very relationally. Um, and once again, you want that, like grow an emotional intelligence, research it, get into it because it makes a huge difference. Um, and uh, so, you know, 
when it comes to like, how do you find those things? Like I, so I served in a physical church for 11 years. Um, while I was there, I saw that church grow from a couple hundred people to about a thousand. Um, I, I ran, a, a just a, a young couple, small group. Um, I had lived my life, devoted my life, poured my life into like, you just got to serve people first off. Like if you're just looking like I need good friends, so I feel better about myself and you're not going to find any good friends. Um, if you like want to find good friends because you want to pour into people and you believe in people and you love people then you will find an abundance of friends and you'll soon find that you literally do not have time for the relationships that you want to have time for. And yeah. I'm, I'm in that spot in life. So when my wife and I were leading uh, a young adult small group, we had 20 couples in our groups, there's 40 people. In our group, oh, geez. and all of us at That's one point had two group, to three man. kids. No, no, there's 40, 40 people in our group, and there was like 52 children, nine and under, in the group. Oh my goodness! And uh, it just got to the point where it was just like insane, right? So when I, and this is the other thing about relationships that people just like, man, they cringe, they don't get it. I think it's like relationships have seasons. Relationships are very seasonal, and so like when I left my church after being there for eleven years. I have limited relational connectors, right? Like mm. I can only be close to so many people. Like right. I just can't be close to every person. And so I had tons of relationships from 11 years of ministry in the same place. Deep, deep friendships and a lot of different ministries that I had led. And then when I left that, I said, I, we picked like three. We picked like Todd and Julie, Shane and Chan and Jake and Kristen mm. and my senior pastor, Chris. And we were like, these are the relationships that we're taking with us into the next season. None of these relationships helped us plant Lux. None of them are involved at Lux. We intentionally left them out of Lux. And then I guess Justin and Kelsey, our next door neighbors, I'm really close with, he's my accountability partner. So like four, four or five people, couples that we kept in close proximity to us that we intentionally, for the most part, did not ask to be involved in our church because we knew we needed relationships from outside of our ministry in order to stay healthy. And so these are people that we continue to now I, the rest of my relational connectors, I freed up. I cut so many relationships and it wasn't being brutal or mean. I was just saying th this, it's just not, I, it doesn't mean that I don't love you or I don't have compassion for you. I do. I want what's right. best for you. I just recognize that when God is calling me somebody somewhere new, I also know that he's calling me out of this grouping of relationships and into a new grouping of relationships and understanding mm -hmm. the ebb and flow of relationships enables you to not continue to hang on to that friendships, those friendships you had from high school that impair you and make it impossible for you to build new relationships now, because you're always comparing them to those friendships you had from high school. You don't know how to go through a season of life where you don't feel like you have close friends and these friends that you did have just aren't close friends anymore. They've changed. You've moved. You don't have time for one another. Life is, you got to find people in your life stage and the relational places that God has called you. So now my right. wife and I have developed a ton of relationships with people from Lux, but we've kept a couple of very key relationships. And it wasn't like a hierarchy thing. It was just like, we feel called that we are supposed to raise our children with these people. Two of them are couples with older kids, older daughters than ours. And we admire their daughters. So because they're teenagers and we admire them, we want our daughters to be like them. So we we hang out with them because we want to see how to be like them. Um, two of the couples are just very close to us and we want to raise our children with their children, right? And one of them is a spiritual mentor and father of mine. And so yeah. like we were just strategic in picking those relationships and investing in them. And I think like in some ways you have to be really intentional about the relationships that you let be a part of your life and how you're going to invest in them. Because if you're not careful as a Christian, you will naturally over time in a church inoculate yourself against non-believers you eventually this is what happens with every church every church plant plants they grow because everybody who comes is new 
and they have unchurched friends. They bring their unchurched friends, their friends accept Jesus. Then nobody has any friends who aren't believers anymore. And the church plateaus and then shrinks and dies. It's the lifeline of like so many five-year-old church plants, right? Yeah. Um, because we, we, we spend so much of our time with Christians and that's where we develop our relationships that we feel comfortable that we stopped going to the bar. And because we stopped going to the bar, we stopped meeting people who aren't followers of Jesus. I was going to say the bar because Jesus would have went to the bar. And so uh, for me, like that's a big part of my heartbeat with Lux and a big part of my heartbeat is like I spent years inoculated against non-believers, just literally didn't have time for them. And now I spend my life investing in people who don't yet know Jesus. I play Dungeons and Dragons with them, hang out with them. We game together. I spend time investing in their lives because we want to be a church that reaches people who don't know Jesus. And so do you guys. And so does your church. And so should you, if you're a follower of Jesus. Absolutely. So like, just be really intentional about your relationships that you do have. If you feel like you're having a hard time making friends, like you might have to look in the mirror and fix some stuff. You might need to take some personal responsibility for your own shortcomings. Like daylight's right. Like you might just suck. <laughs> like he said like, it on me. Yeah. It's like, I can't make any friends. Well, do you suck? Like literally, do you suck the life out of everybody that's around you? Yeah. Stop it. And you're like, I can't stop it. Go get counseling. Like, go get help. I have a counselor. I see my counselor once a month. Why? Because if I don't see my counselor once a month, I get super angry, right? I'll, I'll get, I'll just get frustrated and mad with Christians. And so like, get help, like get the help that you need. Start building relationships. Relationships aren't built for you. You're built for the people. Mm. And so like, stop expecting relationships to serve your needs and start realizing that you're built to serve other people and then and then get yourself in a healthy enough place that you can start serving other people you know Super good, man. yeah god squad i don't I, i'm sure that's amanda behind the keys there <laughs> yeah if you didn't if you didn't want if you didn't want like just real and brutal like you invited the wrong pastor on i guess right <laughs> no, that's just that's just me typing to like, you know what I mean? Keep the conversation amped. <laughs> Can, you, <laughs> Can you imagine? Man, Mark, I love you, dude. I really do. I appreciate it. What time are we supposed to be done? How long are we how long are we are we chatting we're, here? Is this we're we're wrapping up because you gotta get home to your kids and your wife. Uh Pastor Mark's wife said she was gonna kill me if no, I'm just kidding. She didn't say anything. No, my wife. But, <laughs> well, no, she probably wouldn't. She probably she, wouldn't. She, she probably wouldn't. She'd think about it. <laughs> she would tell she would tell me, maybe. Um, but uh, you know, preserve his time. And you know, I think the conversation was excellent. I think if you didn't get something out of this, I, I don't know what to tell, tell I just tell, got tell a you. DM on Discord from my video director Greg, who's sitting right there that says, Jen wanted me to tell you that dinner will be ready in 15 minutes. So they're good, man. I'm good at this. You know what I, I mean? I told you I... she 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 knows how to get to me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I live this life, man. I get it. Um but yeah, I appreciate it, man. The the nuggets of truth in so much of what was just said. If if you didn't get something out of that today, like I really don't know what to tell you. Um, there's just if if you want to be better, you know, you get some resources in there. The book Boundaries by Henry Cloud. Uh, take a look at that. You know, read it, digest it, understand how you create health in yourself um, to be able to be a good friend, so on and so forth. Um, you know working on the things in you that you want to see in other people, uh, you know, not putting and projecting on other people and putting expectations that are unhealthy on them. Like there's so many good things and nuggets in there that I hope you could go back and rewatch this and start to make a list of the things that, you know, you want to see in your life. Um, and start to believe that God can do them. And then as always, I tell you two things. If you really want to change, you really want all of this to impact and have a, a purpose, start reading your Bible and praying. Um, if you don't do those things, then the rest of it's going to be immensely more difficult immeasurably more difficult 
And so, uh, as always, I'll leave you with those two things. Make sure you're spending time with Jesus. He wants you to be like him. When you're like him, people will be attracted to you. Um, and the, the right people at the right time. And so, um, become more like him, but I appreciate you, Pastor Mark. Thank you so much for hanging out, coming in, being a part of things. Um, if you have never checked out Lux Digital, you're here for the first time maybe, or, um, you just have, you're connecting with Pastor Mark. Yo, go check out Lux Digital. Uh, we are not personal. I don't even know. I would, I, cause I always said kingdom builders, like the opposite. What is this? Like our castle building. We're not castle builders. Castle building, we're, not, bro. we're not here to just build up uh, GSC. We're here to build up the kingdom so that gamers can come to know God, to experience community, to discover their purpose, and then go into the world and make a real difference. And so we believe it with everything that we are. Before we head into the next segment, um, we're here on Waymaker Week. This is not a fundraiser. This is a faith raiser. This is us giving sacrificially. This is us coming to, uh, to face-to-face with God and asking him, Lord, what is it that you'd have me sacrifice? What is it that you'd have me give? Um, because in each and every one of us, there is a sense of pull towards wanting to keep our treasure and store it here on earth where it'll pass away, where it will not have eternal significance, where you can be investing in the lives of eternities, storing your treasures in heaven, where it really matters. And so uh, during Waymaker Week, that's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. Man, we love to do this stuff. We wouldn't be in this business if we didn't like to entertain, if we didn't like to have powerful conversations like this one. And so um, it is a part of it, absolutely. But that's not the reason why we're doing this week. This week is so that you can make a decision maybe that you have not, maybe not thought of or take some time and pray and ask the Lord, what is it that you would give? Uh, what, would, what is it that you would have me give? Um, there's also a matching donation going on right now for any of those that give a hundred dollars a month. Um, they're being matched, um, by a hundred dollars by Sonny, the money who is absolutely a tremendous blessing to our church, not just financially, but also her leadership and her growing in, we got to meet her in real life actually when we were at Megazord, which is so Heck much yeah. fun. And so, uh, ton of cool things happening, ton of cool, cool things going on. Um, pastor Mark, where can they find you other than Lux digital on Twitch? If they're looking to, yeah, you really want to come find me on Twitch. Two people followed me or something in the middle of this conversation. Perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm Twitch. I'm, I'm twitch.tv slash the lift, but I, I stream like two days a week, mostly to connect with our community and, you know, play something. Um, you want to find me like you can, you can, there, there we go. Someone just followed us. Um, like, feel free to feel if you want to stop by, feel free. I'm streaming on, on Wednesday and Friday morning, but like, like if you're, if your spiritual home is GSC, then like be at your spiritual home. So um, yeah. we're here to be a blessing and GSC is here to be a blessing to us. So make that three. Thanks, TGI Fishbowl. <laughs> so come watch me play Destiny poorly. Amen. 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 <laughs> amen. All right, God Squad Church. We love you guys. As always, if no one's told you they love you today, we love you here at God Squad Church. We're going to roll into a testimony video and just watch what God has begin to, or begun to do and is continuing to do in the lives of the people that we affect here. What you do matters. Peace. <laughs> 